break up the fallow ground. I thought I'd backtrack a little bit, but I, I think I'm not. I'm going to give you just a little bit. In Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Sow to yourself in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up the fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. And Jeremiah 4, 3 says, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up the fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourself to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart. You men of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come upon you like a fire. And burn that none can quench because of the evil. See, in the Old Testament, God said, circumcise your heart. Break up the fallow ground of your heart. But see, he figured out under the law they couldn't do it too well. So he does something else for us. In Ezekiel 36, 26, God says this. See, this is what we're talking about this morning about the word exchange. I tried for many years to change my heart. Is anybody out there? But the scripture says that old heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. It's born of Adam. It cannot be subject to God, and it will not be subject to God. God knowing that, and that's why he said to them, break up that fallow ground, the hardness of your heart, and uh, circumcise yourself to the Lord. And there's also a scripture here in Ezekiel that says, <clears throat> Therefore will I judge you, O house of Israel, verse 18, or 30, 1830, <clears throat> according to his ways, saith the Lord, repent. And turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so your iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby you have transgressed, and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies, saith the Lord God. So turn and live. What's he saying there? Repent and make you a what kind of heart? And a new spirit. And see, God said in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. So that's an exchanged heart. It's not a changed heart. It's an exchanged heart. So you can work all you want to to change that old heart, and it will not be changed. And God knows that. So what does he do? He gives us a new one. How many of you know that's a better deal than trying to change the old one? The gospel is a gospel of exchange. Remember in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 says God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That word reconcile means exchange and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In the Greek, it means exchange. Jesus came to exchange us to himself. It says in verse 21 there that God made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the very righteousness of God. What kind of exchange is that? It is an awesome exchange. And, you know, we're going to talk about it in a week or so, probably. <clears throat> I had my message on the Holy Spirit. Well, we was reading the other day, a couple of few days ago, and finishing up Derek Prince's book. And Jesus said this, and it floored us. We missed it the first time. <clears throat> he said this to his disciples. He said, I've got to depart. And he said, I know that you're sad. But he said, it's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, because I'm with you in person, but if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come. And when he has come, you know, he will take the things of mine and show it unto you. He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. And right there, Derek Prince says, that is an exchange of person. Jesus exchanged himself for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he sent in his place and exchanged himself for the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit could lead us into, and guide us into all truth. That's a great exchange, the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus had a lot of exchanges he did for us. But that great exchange where he, he went to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to us so he could lead and guide us into everything he has for us. Is that awesome? Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead with this. <clears throat> the last part is because I want to finish this today. I heard Bill Johnson make this statement. He said, one of the things in the Bible that's most frightening to me, he used that word frightening, is a large percentage of those most prepared scripturally when Jesus came missed him. And those who was the least prepared and the furthest away from him, demon-possessed, prostitutes, tax collectors, they didn't miss him. They knew he was the Christ. Now listen to this saying carefully. It's hard for us to produce the fruit of the early church when we are more committed to a book they didn't have than to the Holy Spirit they did have. Let me say that again. It's hard for us to produce the fruit of the early church when we are more committed to a book they didn't have than we are to the Holy Spirit they did have. See, we love the Word of God. How many of you think I love the Word of God? Because His Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Him. But I want to tell you something. The Pharisees and the scribes could quote you Isaiah chapter 53 word for word, but they had no clue what it said. See, that's the difference. This, this word right here, apart from the Holy Spirit, will kill you. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit, they knew the Word of God. They knew it, but they missed Him. And that's why Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will, will not come. But when He comes, He's not going to speak of Himself. But He's going to take the things I've done for you, the exchanges I've paid for you, Every one of them, spirit, soul, and body, the exchanges I've made for you, he's going to show you the things I've done for you. He said, everything the Father has has been given to me. And everything I have, the Holy Spirit's going to show it to you. See, Jesus did everything that he glorified the Father because everything he said, everything he did was what the Father told him to do. The Holy Spirit, everything he says, everything he does is what Jesus did for us. He showed us everything. He is in the process of showing us everything that Jesus did for us. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit. So <clears throat> one of the things, one of the things that made the early church what it was, was a total dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It made them fruitful. Jesus said in John five thirty nine, search the scriptures, for in the scriptures you think you have eternal life. This was what he said to the scribes and Pharisees. You search the scriptures every day, looking for eternal life. And he says and they are they that testify of me. But you will not come to me that you might have a life. He says the scriptures, the scriptures are there for you. You can search them till hell freezes over. And you're not going to find life apart from me. But you will not come to me that you might have life. See, the, the, the prostitutes... The sinners, the tax collectors, everyone else came to him because they recognized he was the Son of God. You know what's astounding to me? You know when the Roman soldier was there and they pierced his side, and when he looked up and he saw Jesus, he said, truly, this was the Son of God. And we see the disciples on the, way of, on the road to Emmaus after his crucifixion, and he walked up and said, why are you so downcast? Well, hadn't you heard 
what's happened? This man Christ, we thought he was the one. But they've killed him and buried him. There they were, follow him daily. And they thought he was the one. But the Roman soldier said this was the Son of God. And then he said to those disciples, O fools and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have said concerning me. Ought not Christ, according to the scriptures, to have died, suffered everything he suffered for us in exchange, and die and be resurrected again? And he said from that point, he, he opened to them all the scriptures concerning himself. And what did it say? Did not our hearts burn within us as he opened to us the word of God? See, if the Holy Spirit's not there to open up your hearts to the Holy, to the Holy Spirit, open up your hearts to this word, it's just a book. You can memorize every word in this book. You can quote every word in this book. You can do all that. But the letter kills, and the Spirit gives life. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are what? They are spirit, and they are life. Why did Jesus say, the works, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to exchange, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he said, the works that I do shall you do, and greater works will you do, because I go to the Father. See, not only do we have an advocate here, we have an advocate there. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us, according to the will of God. Amen? And the Holy Spirit's here making intercession for us according to the will of God. We're covered on both ends. See? And that's the purpose of why he's here, to lead and guide us into some truth, all truth. Jerry and I was talking about Saturday. Bob Mumford said, where the most word is preached in most places is the least amount of love. Why is that? Because you can have a doctrine about love and not have love. You can have a doctrine about a lot of things and still not operate by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we cannot get by without the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think that's why Jesus said, when they accused Jesus of casting out devils by Beelzebub, and Jesus said, no, if I cast out devils by the Holy Ghost, who did he say he cast out devils by? The kingdom has come to you. And he said this to them. He said this. You can say what you want to against the Father and against me. But he that speaks a word against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven in this world, nor in the world to come. Now, I don't know how that strikes you, but that, that scares me. He said, you will not be forgiven, not in this world, nor in the world to come. And why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is not here to bring recognition to himself. All he's here to do is glorify Jesus. Take the things of him and show it to us. That's why Jesus said, you better not say anything against the Holy Spirit. Because he's a comforter that I'm going to send. And he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to send somebody better to you than me. Because I can only be in one place. But the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at one time. In all of your hearts. And he says, and we will come and make our abode with you. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Search the Scripture. What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? If any man come, let him. If any man thirst, let him come. And out of his body shall flow rivers of living water. Said this spake he of the Holy Ghost that they that believe on him what should receive. That's just the way it is. Should re- should receive. And he said, if a son can ask anything of the Father, if you ask him for a. Uh, 
anything, I'll give it to him. He said, if you want to, I'm not going to give you a serpent or something else if you ask for me. And he says, will not the Holy Spirit give, God give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? See, he, in another place, give good gifts to them that ask. See, the Holy Spirit is a good gift that we need in our life. You know what, what is so exciting? Luke one fifty three says he fills the hungry, what? With good things. But the rich he sends away empty. You know, one of the things I've noticed about uh, the, the new man, the, the teaching that's going on, a lot of pastors <clears throat> and a lot of people I'm around, uh, you know, there's a difference between you take two pastors. One pastor studies to get a message to preach. Another pastor studies because he's hungry. And out of his study and searching the scriptures and finding life, he shares with what the life he's found. How many of you know there's a difference? It's just a matter of time till this one's going to burn out. But I'm telling you, when you're part of the fountain that never dries up, you'll never, you'll never run dry. Because your life comes from searching the scriptures. Jesus said, there are life in those, and they are they that testify of me. And out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. James 1.21 says, Lay apart all filthiness and naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted or implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of that word, not hearers only. Last week we talked about the seed. The word of God is a seed. God said in, in Isaiah 55.10, Is not my word, he says, My word will not return unto me void. But it shall prosper in what I've sent it. It will accomplish the purpose I've sent it for. And see, God said, the seed, why is it that the fowl comes and takes the seed out of the, out of the heart? Who can tell me? That's what it says in the scriptures. So that seed falls on stony ground. He comes and takes it out. Why? So it won't bear forth fruit. You get it among thorns, it's choked, so it won't bear forth fruit. But I'm telling you what, if it falls into good ground of your heart... God said, my word will not return void. It will accomplish what it is. But you know what? There's something I've noticed. He takes the seed out of your heart. Why out of your heart? Because it says that he in the good heart is going to bring forth fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Satan don't mind taking it out of your heart and putting it in your head. Are you with me? Because if it's just in your head, it'll never bring forth fruit. It's got to fall into that good ground of your heart to bring forth fruit. He don't mind you quoting the word. He don't mind you having a doctrine about something or a, a teaching about something as long as it doesn't fall down into the place where it starts bringing forth fruit. He don't want it in your heart. But God said what? I'm going to put my words in your heart. I'm going to give you a new heart to know me. And you'll not teach every man your neighbor saying, know the Lord. You're all going to know me from the least to the greatest. Because I'm going to put my word in your heart. See, that's the exchanged heart. It's a new heart that he gives us to know him. And it's not a matter of you doing anything. It's a matter of receiving what he's freely given to you. And walking in that new thing he's given to us. When the Holy Spirit comes in your life, he gives you revelation of, of what the word said. You know, I've watched for years, I've watched this. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. The Holy Spirit starts, and he starts showing you the kingdom. Then he starts showing you other things that, that happen in the kingdom. And he starts building line upon line. Up, and, and, 
And then he begins to open up more. The scripture says there's nothing hid but to be revealed. How many of you know God's not trying to hide his word from us? He wants you. It's your father's good pleasure to give it to you. But revelation comes line upon line, precept upon precept. But the Holy Spirit doesn't give you the revelation to strengthen your doctrine or your stance. Not for argument. You don't get revelation from God's work so you can take a stand doctrinally to defend your cause. Revelation of the Holy Spirit comes to exchange your life. He shines light on where you're at. And you make the exchange. You know what repentance really is? If you really study the Greek out in repentance, it's 180 degrees. You're walking this way. The scripture says in Timothy... In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God will preadventure, will give them the gift of repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who have taken him captive at his will. What is repentance? It's God's gift to you, it's exchange. When you see the truth right here, say, Wow, I'm going this way. I need to go that way. Isn't that what the prodigal son did? He came to himself. How many of my father's house have bread to eat and I'm flat starving to death? I'll arise and go to my father and say, what? I've sinned against heaven and earth. I'm not even worthy to be your son. See, as he made that turn, as he come home, what happened? The father saw him and he put on the best shoes, the best robe and his ring. And he said, this my son was dead, but he's alive again. He got an exchange. He didn't have to go live with the servants. He was brought into the family. Exchanged. He was dead. Now he's alive. See, Jesus has come to give us life and have life what? Abundantly. I like what Bill Johnson said. He said this. If your life is known by your discipline in the word of God, you will be admired. Let me get it right. But if your life is known for its passion, you will be addictive. There's a difference. It's one thing to admire somebody that can quote half the Bible. It's another thing for somebody that's living it and enjoying it and driven. That's the difference. That was the life of Christ. He wasn't just disciplined. How many of you know he was? He that knew no sin became sin. But how many of you know he came down here as a man and totally fulfilled all the demands of the law to the letter as a man? He was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. I don't know if you really understand what I just said. Jesus left his throne to become, to be made likened to sinful man. He took upon himself the seed of Abraham. In every point that every one of you and I has been tempted in, he was tempted with, yet without sinning to fulfill the demands of the law they came to him and he said which of you can convince me of sin which one of you can say I've sinned in any area accuse me they couldn't do it see to me that's profound it's just not a matter of fact that he came and he died on the cross for us it's a matter that he came and lived a life as a man and totally fulfilled the law's demands for us. I came not to do away with the law, but to what? Fulfill it. Scripture says no man was ever able to do it. 
For all have sinned and come what? Short of the glory of God. Jesus came and defend, and fulfilled the demands of the law totally, being tempted in every way without sin. But then at the end of that, before he went to the cross, he took every one of our sins, every one of our iniquities upon himself, and exchanged us for his righteousness. What kind of deal is that? So see, why in the world would we want to go back trying to change something that's unchangeable? Instead of receive that which is of God. God made Christ sin. He made you righteous. If that ever dawns on us, there's not one thing you can do to be more righteous. Not one thing. Now you can be in your righteousness or you can choose to go back to your old man and do what you used to do. And you can. Amen. But I got news for you. You don't have to. Such were some of you. That's not who you are. That's who you were. You've been exchanged. See, the father didn't say a word to the prodigal son about all of his uh, drinking and prostitution and all the, what all he went through. The father never said a word to him about what he did. He said, bring the best robe. Bring the shoes. Bring the ring. Why? All he was concerned about was the new creation. You know, i got news for you. God says in Isaiah 43 that your sins and your iniquities will I forget and not remember for my sake. You think God's sitting around watching every little sin and iniquity you do? He said, I will not remember them anymore. The only way he sees you is through the blood of his son. That's it. Now you can choose to go off here, and I think from what I see in the scriptures, you can choose to go over there if you want to, but I want to tell you something. The Father's not going with you. He's already made you whole. He's made you complete in Him. It's an awesome exchange when you really see what He's done. And you know what religion is? It's trying to do that in your own strength. It's trying to... I did it for years. Because of my background of rejection and all I went through, uh, I was a workaholic. I said this in Africa, and they interpreted it an alcoholic. <laughs> One of the guys with us said, they missed what you said. <laughs> You're an alcoholic. It was addiction. It was still an addiction. But I did that f- f- to be accepted. I told anybody, anybody would have been a nut to fire me. Why was I doing that? For acceptance. How many of you know when I got saved and got born again, I really was saved and born again? But my old soul was not exchanged. I was still living with that rejection, all that junk in my life. And I told God, thank you for saving me. Just step out of the way. I'm going to be the best little son you ever had. That lasted about three years, and I finally just burnt plumb up. And he, you know what he did? It's Isaiah chapter 30, where it says, and the message says, why don't you give up this silly effort of trying to save yourself? Isaiah 30, verse 15 in the message. Give up the silly attempt to save yourself and let me save you. You say, oh, no, we're going to run on the fastest horses we got. He said, go ahead. Make my day. Do you have that in the message? Do you have the message back there? All right, let's put it in the message. God, the master, the holy one of Israel, has this counsel. Your salvation requires you to turn back to me and stop your silly efforts to save yourselves. Now, this is Old Testament, guys. 
It's not New Testament. Now look at that. Your strength will come from settling down in complete dependence on me. The very thing you've been unwilling to do. And I was unwilling. I figured I had to earn it. To hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Whenever someone would talk about Jesus is coming again like the song we sang, I wasn't ready. I knew I hadn't done enough yet for him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. After all, he just saved me. I hadn't had time to do anything good. Oh, you're out there. See, here's the thing. He made you good. There's not one thing you can do to make yourself good. While you were yet a sinner, Christ reconciled us to himself. That's what the scripture says. While you were a sinner, God gave his son for you. He reconciled us while we were enemies. Romans 5, verse 9. And being reconciled or exchanged, we have life through him. Let's go back there. <clears throat> Next verse. But you said, no, we're going to flip on horses. Huh? Message, yeah. We're going we're gonna to rush off on horseback. We'll rush off and, all right, just not far enough. You said we'll ride off with fast horses. Do you think your pursuers are riding old nags? He'll let you do that. I did it. Keep going. Think again. A thousand of you will scatter before one attacker. Before a mere five, you'll run off. There'll be nothing left for you. A flagpole on the hill with no flag. A signpost on the roadside with no sign. Tore off. And next verse. But God's not finished. How many of you know God's... When Jesus said it's finished, he sat down. How many of you know he's not worried about what you do? He's already done it. But if you insist on doing something, he'll let you. But he's going to sit down. And he, he says, <clears throat> he's waiting around to be gracious to you. He's gathered strength to show mercy to you. God takes time to do everything right, everything. Those who wait around for him are the lucky ones. Just quit it. Just give it up. Quit your silly struggling and just receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save your soul. It's already been done. There's nothing left for you to do but to believe. Christ's life was filled with passion. He says in the volume of the books, it is written of me, I come to do your will, O God. Jesus was consumed with doing the will of the Father. His passion drove him. <clears throat> you know, you look at this. Now I want you to see something. I've got ten minutes. Passion comes from purpose. Purpose comes from a redemptive revelation. In Proverbs where it says, there is no vision where there's no vision of people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The Amplified says where there's no redemptive revelation. A redemptive revelation is what the Holy Spirit comes to show you. The revelation of what Christ has done for you and his purpose for you in that big plan. He wants to put you in your place. Purpose comes from a redemptive revelation. A redemptive revelation comes from the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1.18. He says that your eyes may be enlightened to know what his purpose for you is. Enlightenment comes from the truth you know that sets you free. Freedom is not only from something, but what? To something. Freedom is not only from the old, it's to the new. We've been resurrected Reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, 
But reckon yourself to be alive unto God. You need to do both. It's not just a matter of reckoning the old man to be dead. You've got to reckon your new self to be alive. For what? For God's purpose in your life. Freedom comes not only from something, but to do something. Remember what I said for years. I used to say this every Sunday, not every Sunday. It's not those that start the race, right, Jerry? But those that finish the race. And then he showed me, no, that's not enough. Paul said, it's not enough. It's not those that finish the race, but those that finish it, like Paul said, with joy. Paul said, I want to finish my course with joy. But that's not enough. You need to finish it with passion. We're not here just to finish our race and say, well, I'm glad that's done. Listen, let the passion of God in your life, the passion for something. You know, we went to Africa and spent three weeks, and they were rough, hard weeks. And I didn't go to Africa just to see a lion. I didn't go to Africa just to look over Africa. I didn't go to Africa for the food or the roads, chuck holes. You know why we went to Africa? Because there's a burning message of exchange life in us. And it was to sow the seeds of the exchange life. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done for you. So you don't have to. You can spend your life. Bill Johnson said most Christians spend a lifetime trying to become who they already are. If you just knew what he paid for. What did Jesus say? It is what? Finished. Finished. Not only was it finished. I got news for you. It was finished from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ was a lamb, lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There's a plaque in a coffee shop. said, God fixed the fix before the fall. Do you think God was surprised by Adam's fall? No. He took care of the fall before he started. Why? So we could what? Have life and have it abundantly. How many of you think God might love us just a little bit? And he wants to fellowship with us. And he wants us to enjoy life, what he's created us to have. Zoe life is, is something he's called us. Jesus had that passion. Galatians chapter 5 said, Brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. How many of you know you can use the liberty you got to, in, the old, in the old soul? I did it for years. Is there anybody out there? But don't use that liberty he's given you to serve the flesh. First Peter 4, I think it's First Peter uh, 4.10 says this. As every man has received the gift of what? Whatever the gift is God's given you. It says, as every man has received the gift, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What's the purpose? As every man has received what God's given you, minister not somebody else's gift, not somebody else's something. Whatever God has given you, and it's yours, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the many-sided grace of God. God's grace is so many-sided we can't even see all. It's, it's like a gigantic diamond has all these facets about it. And each one of us have one little facet that he's given us to shine. And we're to do, be faithful over what he's given us. But you know what happens when all of the body comes together with all their facets? It's the body of Christ. And members one of another. That's not jealous, not envious, not trying to be something or somebody else. All that jealousy, envy, and strife comes from that old man, not the new man. 
If you want to know whether you're in the old man or the new man, who do you think about all the time? If your mind's set on yourself, you may have a problem. But you know what? 2,000 years ago, Scripture says, when Jesus died on the cross, your old man died too. When he, di- he didn't die there for himself. When he went to the cross, I went to the cross. When he went to the grave, I went to the grave. When he was resurrected, I was resurrected. When he ascended, got news for you, according to Ephesians 2, we ascended. Not only did we ascend, we're seated with him right now in heavenly places. And according to Colossians 3, what? Chapter 3. If you be risen with Christ, are we risen with Christ? Yes, we are. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you're dead and your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, shall you also appear with him. So what's he saying? When Christ gets up off of that seat and we're seated with him there and he comes back, we're going to come back with him to get a rest of ourselves. Now, your natural mind can't go there. We are already there and we're going to come back after ourselves. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know. But I want to tell you something. You are hid in Christ now. Everything you have is in him. Your life is in him. Everything you have is in him. And wherever he is, there are you. That's it. In Christ dwells all the fullness, and you are complete in him. And that's just the way it is. I'm sorry he didn't ask our permission when he did it. He just did it for us. And he says, freely you receive, freely give. That's it. So why don't we enjoy it a little more? Quit trying to work for him and enjoy what he's given you with that passion. Oh, gosh. Well, I think I'll stop there. I'll go on with the passion a little later. Father, we just thank you for your word, and Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. And Lord Jesus, we just ask you right now, open our eyes of our understanding. Lord, let us see how fully you completed everything that we needed and how you made us who we are, that we're sons and daughters of God. And Lord, we ask you to open our eyes to see who we are in you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Amen. I finished it.